0: Hello and welcome back to redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a significant pivot or change in life. I call these pivots redirections and we all go through them at one point or another. And today we talk with someone who has experienced several of these redirections and we sit down with Christian Schaff, who currently runs uncharted supply co which sells emergency products. Um, you guys should check them out in the show notes down below. But we have a really timely discussion on what it looks like in the time we're living in now with the coronavirus sparking fear. and he gives us his really unique and I think healthy perspective on it. Um, and I really appreciated the conversation, uh, especially with having a family now. I'm not sure how to think about it, and I've been tempted into being fearful and to buying into all the craze and mania that's going on. but Uh, after our conversation, I was really inspired with hope and I hope that you guys will be as well. Um, if you guys want to find out more about Christian and his company, you can click in the links in the show notes down below. I've linked his Instagram, um, and other things. And before we get started, if you guys wouldn't mind, subscribing to the show and rating it on whatever platform you're listening to. It really helps us out. And also, if you're crunch for time, don't forget that you can increase the playback speed. If you're listening on YouTube, there's a little, little settings icon. You can click on that and then change the playback speed. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can increase to two times the speed. And most other podcast platforms have that ability as well. I personally like to listen to two times the speed. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump into this one with Christian Schaff. And thank you guys for listening. Christian Shaw, thanks for joining us today man always a pleasure you bet good to see you yeah you too uh I think I think it's only appropriate to start off Sean identifies you as the first ever man crush that I've had so you know I just <laughs> every every time
1: <laughs> told me this before we started recording now I'm gonna be
0: <laughs> no um you are, in all honesty, every time I talk to you, it's like, wow, this guy keeps getting more and more interesting. So I'd love to start from the beginning and talk about where you grew up, and then we'll go from there.
1: Great, great. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, northwest Wisconsin, um, and for everybody that doesn't know what that noise is, I have a huge dog. he <laughs> <laughs> to start eating and drinking. That's not a tiger. Hey, Bear. Hey. That's actually a good dog. So, Dude, look at the anyway. water
0: just pouring from his mouth. He does have his own Instagram, by the way. Baron the Swiss Mountain Dog. Uh, would highly recommend the follow. <laughs> he's a good
1: time. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in northwest Wisconsin on a dairy farm. Uh, went to school in Wisconsin. Lived in Minneapolis for about 10 years. I'm um, from Minneapolis. I mean, what? he's like. <laughs> Went from Minneapolis to L.A. for about four years, and now I call Park City, Utah home. So
0: um, what was the work that you were doing in Minneapolis?
1: So Minneapolis, um, after college, I was doing kind of like, you know, web web programming work and had like a cover band. And I just kept saying, as long as the band keeps going, I'm going to keep doing it. And it kind of evolved into, we did three albums. We played in about 35 countries. I mean, I've worked with guys like Prince, um, and we should have practiced space with Soul Asylum. These may be too old a bands for this audience, but Prince, you know people. Are, yeah, am Prince is not. No, <laughs> like, you know, it was it was it was wild. We uh, we quickly got in with a, an amazing crowd of musicians that kind of um, it was like military music school, and got us got us to a level where we started touring all over. Um, that turned into doing a bunch of work for the military where we would provide entertainment for all the troops overseas. So I've been to Iraq 40 times. Um, we would we started going over um, as a band, playing with like the USO and Armed Forces Entertainment. And then on the second trip over, I asked uh, the Colonel, the guy in charge of the programs, hey, like what's the hardest thing about your job? And he's like, I have 300 out of the 350 bases that I can't get bands to. I said, why is that? He's like, well, because they're all these forward operating bases, FOBs or JSSs, Joint Security Stations that are small. They don't have runways and bands have so much gear that um, we can only go where there's runways because we have to take a C-130 or a C-17, which are big airplanes and jets. Um, and of course, these are the guys that need it, right? Some of these bases, for people that don't know, if you went to like Camp Victory or Air John, John in Kuwait, they, they feel like a Division Three college. You've got indoor outdoor swimming pools, you have Baskin Robbins, you have stores, you have several cafeterias, several gyms, you have three or four story buildings that are dormitories basically. It feels a lot like that. Not fancy, but it, it, it it's a pretty good analogy. <clears throat> then you get to these JSSs and it's like a tent with some cots, a black hawk drops off food every couple days in a cooler and that's what you eat. So it's a massive difference in quality of life for these guys and it's kind of uh, a draw, of the you know, a draw of the straw to see who goes where. Um, so these guys in need weren't getting anything. So my brother and I went home and worked with all these guys we knew, and developed a PA system that basically fit into a Blackhawk helicopter, which allowed us to drop into these little bases that didn't have runways. And so that became a, a big line of work for us. For I mean, we still do it now. Obviously, we don't have as many troops over there. We do a couple tours here and there. But for a while, it was you know two or three tours a month. One of us was going with every tour, whether it was our band, or taking you know the Pussycat Dolls over, or doing a thing we call Bikes Over Baghdad, where we build skate parks at bases and take a bunch of the X Games dudes over. So like the guys at Woodward, you guys were Woodward's a partner of ours to build, and um, you know it just it just kind of was this like mission for for several years and man i racked up a lot of fruit and flyer miles going to iraq <laughs> and, uh, it was it was gnarly it was really um it was a really amazing eye-opening experience it almost feels like a movie i watched at one point now so that was the biggest part of my work over there and i'm sure you got questions around that i also helped start a cider company called crispin which was acquired by miller Coors. so joe, joe heron started that company and i was employee number one so the first two years joe and i worked out of his attic building that brand um, and then I started doing brand work for brands like GoPro and Harley Davidson and stuff like that. So that was I'm trying to
0: imagine me. this uh, this colonel in the military getting approached by what were you a gu- like the lead guitar guy the the lead singer? I
1: was a singer. Yeah, played rhythm guitar. Um, his name is Colonel Scott Rainey. Uh, they called they called him Colonel Fun because he was the guy that took the bands everywhere. So whenever he showed up, he had you know entertainment. With him. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. But great dude. But for him, for you to come up to him and and ask like, hey, what problem can I solve for you? Is that, have you always had this entrepreneurial mindset? Because I don't know, I don't know if you ever felt this way, but like as an athlete, sometimes I felt in the past unworthy to like, it's like, hey, just stay in your lane. You're a musician. Stay there. Like what, what was your mindset?
1: I would have to give Colonel Rainey credit for being warm enough and approachable enough to let me even ask that question, you know, in our first our first couple shows, we we're with a different group, and then he was the big guy, so he usually went out with the big famous tours. And for whatever reason, he came with us, and we just kind of bonded. He was kind of fatherly and just really fun and nice, and he loved what we were doing. So it was literally we were sitting in a dining facility and eating, and he was sitting across from me, and I was like, "Tell me, tell me about your job and what's hard." And it wasn't like I immediately said I can fix that, but that that thing stuck in my head and you know over that tour i kind of kept asking him questions until i understood what the real you know the real rub was there and then i said hey i think i think i have an idea and and we tested it in small doses and then once we knew we could do it it, it kind of ramped quickly
0: it's amazing to me it seems like you always have this mind to like invent something like I, I feel like that's kind of part of who you are, based off what I know about you. I'd love you to tell the story of of how you started Uncharted Supply and why you started Uncharted Supply.
1: Yeah, so that that um that leads me to why I'm in Park City now. But I I started Uncharted Supply when I was living in California. So, you know, I'm a guy now who has. When i come home from these tours, I didn't really have another job because it's hard to hold a job when you're spending two or three weeks a month in Iraq. So I'd have these blocks of time and I would go climb Mount Rainier, climb Grand Teton, or, you know, go on a hunting trip in Montana. Um, And so, you know, farm background, kind of nonstop military stuff. When I was home, I was doing other kind of athletic, adventurous outdoor stuff. Uh, I moved to California. I was working in a corner office doing uh, marketing work for a fitness app company. And it was kind of, you know, I'm always kind of thinking about what's next. And I think at that point I was, I knew that I needed to find something, something new soon to kind of keep my brain going. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I decided to go uh, skiing in Steamboat Springs, Colorado over New Year's. So I loaded up my F-150 and I had a couple of buddies in the truck. And we got in the, the mountains behind Orange County and it snowed two inches. I mean, like minuscule. So, <laughs> me growing up, that's like, you know, nothing's canceled. That's just, that's like, that's like the wind blowing. It's no big deal. You just keep going. And traffic just stopped. I sat in my truck for seven or eight hours in traffic. Um, I remember opening the door and putting my foot out to see if it was black ice because I couldn't understand why people were having so much trouble navigating this inconsequential weather event. And I just quickly realized, wow, all the people I've been around are actually not the norm. They're kind of the Mm. exception. Farmers and military people, they're they're very experienced. And, you know, our culture is quickly trending towards a lot of dependence on technology, um, more urban lives. And it's not that people are dumb, they just, they don't get exposed to it. So I came back from that trip and I, I went to my my friends who are you know special forces guys and doctors and pilots and emts and i said nothing nothing exists to solve this problem like let's, let's build it and that's kind of where uncharted started so we built we call it the 72 it's a survival kit and um the idea being i'm not a prepper i don't think you should go hide in a bunker um i think logically having the right stuff in your hands is a game changer it doesn't have to be anything big um the analogy I give a lot of times is, you know, there are people that died a decade after September 11th because they inhaled concrete dust mm-hmm. and it gave them cancer. A $20 air mask would have kept them alive. So it's not that you need thousands and thousands of dollars of stuff. You just need the right thing at the right time. So in that philosophy, we, we built this company and, you know, it's, it's about having not only great stuff, but the education and the instruction and the guidance. So if you don't know what to do, our products guide you a better outcome and that's yeah. where we
0: are today as a an, as an eagle scout i'm really drawn to to these packs because you guys have a ton of amazing products the 72 pack and the 72 72 pro pack are amazing we have a couple of them at our house and you have the zeus battery pack which can chart i mean you said it, it like recharges a semi truck on the side of the road yeah it's
1: a it's a jump starter and it's it's like this big and um It'll it'll just start anything which you know dead batteries are just a pain in the butt doesn't mean you're gonna die But you might miss a graduation or you might miss this or that and just just that little thing can change the day You know, so that's how we think about things, but it's it's fun.
0: I'm uh, this interview is timely in a, in a lot of ways um, but I was really encouraged and oddly proud in some sense uh when i got the email from uncharted supply co this week regarding all the craziness about the coronavirus and um part of me expected when i opened that email to like read the world's ending and you need to buy our products so you can prep and you know and and make sure that you're not left out in the wild without what you need but it wasn't like that and uh you didn't capitalize on the fear to 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 credit your perspective. Um it was much more like, hey, the things do happen and um and it's good to be prepared, which is kind of the perspective that that Sean and I have been having is like, hey, the fear is not necessary, but being prepared is always a good, a good practice to to keep in mind. Um I'm I am curious how this past week has been for you. When Sean and I sat down with you in January, you mentioned that you know, things were already wild and I can't imagine what the, the past couple of weeks has been like for, for you and, and your company.
1: Yeah, I think you guys came in and we were shipping a lot of holiday stuff and it was total yeah. in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't really slowed down. You know, to your point, um, preparedness mitigates fear. You know, if you if you are ready for something, it's like if you studied for a test and the test comes, you feel a lot better than if it's a pop quiz, right? I mean, that's just That's the nature of human emotion. So this has been an interesting week. I I have never before kind of been as vocal as I am about a perspective on Mm -hmm. something that can be controversial. Um, I've had a little blowback, like two people, but generally people have been just really um, supportive of of what we've been saying as a company and our perspective. But as with most things, you have to take the media for what they are. And then you have to take the situation for what they are. This, this isn't going to end the world, but it's also not nothing. And right. you just have to understand what's really going on. And you have to play the odds and understand how it affects you and how it affects your community and everything else. So, you know, the email we sent out, I'm really proud of that email because it's been a, that email went out, you know, quite a while ago and kind of everything that we, and by the way, we started with, this could all be wrong, this could all change, here's mm-hmm. our perspective, make your own decisions, but here's what we think As people are asking. Um, it was it was really accurate, and I was really proud of that because I, I did reach out to all my experts that, that are kind of a part of Uncharted and said, guys, how do we talk about this? What do you tell people? Um, and I think just, I think a calm voice and making things bite-sized and manageable is the most effective way to kind of overcome this type of thing
0: was there you're in a position where you could easily capitalize on this though you know so like how did you overcome that temptation you know
1: um it's not even really a temptation because like listen man when i started this company i I tell i tell investors this i tell people that want to know about the brand i tell everybody this i'm like I want to leave a legacy with my life. Like, being rich is not a legacy or whatever, or going on the most trips. Like I want to do something that made the world a better place. At the same time, I will admit to you, I'm not Mother Teresa. <laughs> like yeah. I want to have a big life I'm like I want to go heli skiing. I'm actually supposed to be in Zermatt, Switzerland right now is my first vacation I've booked in five years. My buddies are heli skiing today, right now. Like not oh, right now.
0: Dagger. <laughs>
1: So like I want to be able to do those things, Um, so I need to make some money, but like what can I do that leaves a legacy and is really a positive thing and also supports us? And that's why I started Uncharted because I truly believe that what we do is a game changer for a lot of people and we've heard it from people. To suddenly play off of fear and, you know, like our tagline is gear for heroes. Like my mantra is (laughs) let's make people the heroes of their own situation. Like let's give them the superheroes cape. So that dad, when he doesn't exactly know what to do, now has something supporting him to make to save the day for his kids or a super mom or whatever it is, right? So for me to suddenly say, hey guys, let's run a bunch of fear-based ads and try to capitalize on this, it's a very it's a very easy decision to not go down that path. I really believe in what we're doing. I believe in our message. And I think these are the times where companies really kind of filter, this, filter themselves out and show who they are mm-hmm. and really like, you know, the writings on the wall with some people, it's like, they're just pumping ads. I, here's a great analogy. Uh, I saw on Twitter, this writer from Bloomberg, um, screenshotted one of our ads on Instagram and said, wow, uh, prepping companies are really leaning into the coronavirus. And I wrote back and I said, I've been running that ad since 2016. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he said, Oh, well, that's context. I didn't have. And I said, I thought you were a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: That's your job.
1: Everybody wants to point fingers. Everybody wants to do this. And, and no, I mean, our message that we would tell people today is the same message that we were telling people when we started the company in the end of 2016. It's like, things can happen. This doesn't mean you have to be afraid. It doesn't mean you should change anything. But man, having a flashlight when all the power goes out, is really nice, right? I'm not saying you need a bunker. It's just a couple things. So yeah.
0: Decision. I imagine that a good portion of your demographic, or at least some uh, who buy uncharted supply products are some of them are preppers and have, have you been exposed to that community and what's like the, what is the mindset of someone who does build a bunker? Cause, cause let me, let me tell you why I ask this past week putting everything in perspective of like, look, we just had a daughter. Everything was going so smoothly with us and our business. And I, last time there was any like finance, like stock market check or, or recession, if you could call it that, is when I was in high school or college. And right. I was completely insulated from it. So my reaction, no, like that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was like, fine. Thursday hit, and I was like, I'm going to load up. I want to be one of those people that buys all the toilet paper and I just I I just want to make be ready and make sure that that we're we're prepped for this thing. Can you t- touch on like what that mentality is and some of the good things but also bad things about it?
1: Well, man, I could I could like we could drink a bottle of whiskey talking about this for like a whole night. But um you know, historically The only way humans got through anything was working together. So, preach, bro. Whether that was a, yeah, whether that was like bringing down a woolly mammoth or uh, holding off an invading army, you know, like it's just our culture. Like living in LA was really eye opening for me, and I don't want to rip on people from LA, I know everybody's different, but I was in an apartment complex. And when the weather got bad, people were locking their doors, you know, they would shut the doors and lock the doors and hunker down where I grew up in Wisconsin. If it was a snowstorm, everybody in the neighborhood was doing what they could to help everybody else out. You'd look out the window and like somebody's coming in, like, you know, my dad would send me out with a plow, to plow everybody out within a couple mile radius in a tractor. Right. Cause we could, it was easy. So we'd go plow grandma and grandpa and the neighbors and those neighbors and Our culture has been getting away from that. Uh, So what happens now, and I'll get the preppers. This doesn't really involve preppers. This just involves kind of the psychology of what's happening. People people are fearful and people feel a little bit isolated and people aren't so confident that their neighbor is going to be there for them. Mm -hmm. So it's a, call it a scarcity mindset, right? I got to look out for me and I got to get what's mine and everything's crashing down that's my that's my crew and I I don't I don't like that you know I I don't think that's the right mindset I I try to encourage people to work together because of the points I gave earlier you know so I I think that's what's happening a lot Um, listen when this stuff started happening in the email I sent out about a month ago I said I think it's a good idea at this point to get the non perishable things you might need for two or three weeks now i don't know how often you wipe your butt i know that the normal human poops 1.7 times per day right <laughs> i don't know how many people want to attribute to that or whatever but like i honestly don't remember the last time i bought toilet paper so i got one bundle you know like eight rolls yeah i think that's good for three weeks when i see people with enough toilet paper to last them into like you know 2034 that's some like <laughs> Uh, wild, wild. so you know but 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 i do think hey if you've ever been without toilet paper it's a pretty bad situation too
0: no but so, also it's like dude you gotta poop in the woods sometime you know like that's okay totally. but, <laughs> but you can store this bunch of toilet paper
1: and you want to grab eight rolls i don't think that's unreasonable yeah, you know right. you gotta grab like I went and got uh, a bunch of canned stuff to make moose chili cuz I've got a bunch of moose in the fridge and the freezer and I like great like it can I'll make it eventually but this whole like like the grocery stores are empty. Right. It's a weird mindset.
0: For so, a second when you said moose chili I was imagining like moose the pudding in a chili form and I was like that doesn't Christian that doesn't sound good at all. But I'm talking about Type stuff in the show, right? <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but it's weird, but then, then you talk about preppers, right? I think for a lot of people, it's, it's kind of a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these guys are well, they, you know, I'm in Utah, so there's a huge Mormon population where they actually it's a part of their culture that they want you to prep and be prepared. So, mm-hmm. this has been kind of passed down and it's just what they do so it's normal they don't even think anything of it um and then you got your military guys who have been through these types of things right they've they've been at a military base where supplies ran out or something happened and now they come back and they're like that's not happening again i'm going to make sure i'm ready and i don't think daily life is probably as sinister as a war zone it's kind of hard to let that go and then there's some people that i just you know, it's like people that like soccer or like collecting Beanie Babies, I don't know. It's like, it's just what they do. It's a hobby and they, and they really enjoy it. So I think that's a whole different mindset. When we launched, you know, we had a lot of preppers that loved what we did and we had a lot of preppers that, that kind of pooed what we did because we had a different philosophy. Ours was, you know, the statistic I started with was 95% of all emergency situations are resolved in 72 hours. So I go, okay. What do you need for seventy-two hours if you're totally on your own? Generally, it's so it's sick. Food, it's food, water, shelter, maybe a little self-protection, maybe some tools, whatever. Right? It's it's very simple, and we got that into an eleven-pound kit that you can carry on your back, and it's you know three hundred and fifty dollars, and it can fit in your apartment, and it can fit here and there and everything. So for ninety-five percent of what you're doing, it's a pretty small ask. Now, if you but, want to but, build a ten thousand, go for it
0: cuz it's amazing what you fit in there and it's all so cleanly laid out. I don't know how you fit it, but can you just walk through some of the things that are in that bag?
1: Yeah. So, and I'll say this when when we were on Shark Tank, Lori said, "Christian, what, you know, what's the most important thing in the kit?" And I said, "Well, Lori, tell me what the emergency is." <laughs> you know, like that's the thing about emergencies is nobody knows what they are, when they're coming, or what you're going to need. So when you look at the kit, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff that kind of works together to give you the most coverage we can. So it's, there's, there's 2,400 calories of food. There's a water filter that'll filter 100,000 gallons of water. And it's not something you have to rig up pumps. It's like something you you fill this little bladder up with something out of the river, squeeze it, and you squeeze the water up. It's very simple, right? It's gloves, it's goggles, it's a hat, it's a blanket, it's knives, flashlights, rope. Um, you know, duct tape. Man, I've, I've fixed a million things with duct tape. It's just, those little things can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice collection of things, as you said, organized, we have instruction. It's in a dry bag that's so airtight or floaty, you can use it as a life raft. Um, but that also keeps the contents dry because most people keep these in their, in their trunk, in their basement, wherever, where it might be moldy or damp. Now you don't have to worry about your batteries being corroded. You know, it's protected. So it was just a lot of thought to make sure we're giving people the right stuff to get them through whatever happens, whenever it happens. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, to your point about most emergencies being solved in 72 hours, uh, there's one public emergency. I don't know if you've seen the the movie, 100, 127 Hours, about the yeah. the, the mountain bike crash but anyway i think it's like uh james franco is in it or something like that but it was so it was so wild of a story that it lasted this long that they made a movie out of it but uh i I proudly went to elementary school with that guy so funny side note that has nothing to do with uh, what we're talking about but um all right let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors Did you know that many conventional deodorants contain aluminum, which forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating? Yikes. Native's deodorant is made without aluminum so you can feel better about what you're putting on your body. Native only uses ingredients you know and will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. They have over 10 amazing scents for you to try, and they offer to women and teens as well, so there's something out there for everyone. And there's free shipping and 30-day returns and exchanges in the U.S. on every order. My personal favorite scent is Eucalyptus and Mint, which Sean appreciates as opposed to the sweaty musk that I usually emanate after a workout. Also, Native is relaunching their toothpaste line. They have a natural toothpaste that can do it all. It whitens teeth, it freshens breath, it's enamel safe, and prevents cavities. But the best part is that it's made without a bunch of ingredients like sulfates, artificial preservatives, and parabens. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code EAST during checkout. Again, for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code EAST during checkout. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Are you feeling like you don't know where to go to talk with someone about it all? Don't worry, BetterHelp online counseling is there for you. I know that counseling can sometimes be overwhelming, but BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. What's great is that you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. I know that life gets crazy sometimes, so you can even schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. And of course, everything you share with them is always confidential. Get help on your own time and at your own pace. BetterHelp offers a ton of licensed professional counselors who are specialized in a number of different categories, including depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, and so many more. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Redirected listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code redirected. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com redirected. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash redirected. All right, you guys already know what time of year it is. Personally, my least favorite event of the season. That's right. It's spring cleaning time. As if you don't already have a million things on your to-do list, now you have to sacrifice an entire Saturday deep cleaning your home. No, thank you. Thanks to Handy, there's a better way to knock out spring cleaning. Handy is the easy and convenient way to book home cleanings on a schedule that works for you. We're able to book the online service within just one minute and their service was great. You can have them come by any day of the week and you can even book out monthly, weekly, or bi-weekly appointments. It's fantastic. And if you're not happy with your service, they'll even book another one for you free of charge. And for my listeners, Handy has a special limited time offer. Get your first three-hour cleaning for only $29 when you sign up for a cleaning plan. Go to handy.com slash east and enter promo code east. That's a three-hour home cleaning for just $29 with a cleaning plan at handy.com slash east, promo code east. Terms and conditions apply. Visit Handy's website for more information. Handy, the most reliable name in house cleaning. Again, you can find the links to all of the things that I just listed in the show notes down below. Now let's get back to our conversation with Christian Schaff. <laughs> it's cool that in your work with the uh, military entertainment, I don't know how you categorize that uh, business, and then also now with uncharted, you've done a great job and then speaking about your legacy of of like creating a product that helps people and like yes, you're monetizing it and you're making money, but like you're providing such value and I don't know if i mean you've obviously done a lot of this intentionally, but It's, it's cool to think of you and your mission when you're working with the military of giving those guys who are on those fab, uh, bases entertainment because they're, you know, in, in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere and you with uncharted supply co of providing these products that can help people in emergencies, you know? And I think that's, that's a inspiration i think to entrepreneurs i i'm curious if you would have advice based off what you've learned of people who want to start their own company
1: well before i get to that i'll just tell you i we had a pilot tv show we filmed when we were doing all the iraq tours and i remember they interviewed colonel Rainey, who i spoke about earlier and i remember watching it back and i wasn't there when he said this but he said something along the lines of we're all gonna to, going to have a really hard time finding meaning in day-to-day life when this all ends meaning what we were kind of blessed with the opportunity of being able to go over and do that like dude we would watch people's faces change we'd watch people go from like sitting shoulders you know shrugged over depressed to like dancing and like we'd get them up on stage let them play the cowbell or guitar it was their show whatever they wanted right and it it really made a difference i'm not patting myself on the back i just know that having a change of pace and some entertainment and a different face show up is super meaningful and i got to do that for years and years and years and years and then i'm in this like white corner office in orange county with a laptop like trying to make money and it just i was like i don't want this for my life you know like these are days i'm not getting back and for what like it doesn't feel good so they always say, you know, that once you once you get outside of yourself and start doing things for others, it, it feels more rewarding. That's just that's really true. Um, I just think, as a as a human perspective, it's it's something I would encourage to everybody. It's like find a way to help somebody else. Um, find an organization to be a part of where you can kind of have those experiences because I think it will rewire your brain to feel what's really important and what's what really makes you feel fulfilled. So I just want to throw that out there.
0: No, that's great. I did want to touch on, well, yeah. If you have time, I'd love to talk about this. Uh, you mentioned that
1: you've, f- you, for a few weeks, bro. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's pretty true. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you've always had this mentality of, of what's next. And I think that we share that in common. I don't know if you've ever gotten criticized for that, but there's so many people that are all about like you got to dive a hundred percent into to one plan and not think about at least as an athlete like playing professional sports and I know that's a unique niche in and of itself but like if I was even considering my life after my career it would be like well you're not fully committed have you ever struggled mm-hmm. with that tension um
1: Yeah. I mean, I was never a professional athlete and I could see how that's military ask, right? You're part of a team. You're part of a mission. You're all going the same way. You're kind of not to borrow the University of Minnesota's thing, but you're rowing the boat in the same direction. (laughs) Anything else is like taking you the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I I get that. I've never been kind of that uh, ingrained in something where it takes all of you. Like, you know, when I was working the the office job, you you know, at five or six o'clock you went home and then you had Then you had time. Um, I know there are stretches where you are 100% committed, like like right now with Uncharted. It's been this way for several years now. Um, I'm working, you know, triple the hours a normal person would, and I'm not paying myself. And it's this is more of a mission than a job, Mm. and it feels really good. It feels like you're you're building something. I'm building something. There's momentum, and it's it's doing the right thing. So I think there are those stretches where you're totally all in on something. But like three weeks ago, all of a sudden, I had an idea in my head for another product. And I was like, whoa, that could be next, you know? So I talked to somebody about it the other day. I let it percolate. I'm not investing hours into it. I'm just kind of thinking about it. And that's how Uncharted started. You know, I was doing one thing, and then this kind of moment happened, and it kind of distilled down to, should I do this or not? And you know, the, the funny thing with Uncharted is it got, it got so real that I was I was at a place where I'd kind of built prototypes I'd shown it to people I'd say half the people said no nah, nah, nah. people don't buy prepper stuff we tried it doesn't work don't don't waste your money and other people were like oh I'd buy this this is really cool
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I had to write a several hundred thousand dollar check basically my entire life savings I sold my townhome toward her inventory you know that was a very like burn the ships moment where <laughs> started right Like now I've basically lost everything I've worked my whole life to save up. And I wrote a check to a factory to build, you know, a thousand kits to try to sell those and start a business. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm totally answering your question, except that I I think life ebbs and flows. And I I think that if you have something that you can't get out of your mind and you have it when you wake up in the morning, you should give that more time and, and really test it and see if that's something that you would write a check for all your money for and follow it. Or if there's a reason why you have hesitation around that and just let it be, let it grow, let it live, let it come and go. And when it's, when it's time to jump in though, I think like a pro football player, you know, those guys aren't like, I don't think maybe they are, but they're, they're not going home and like stuff in the face with fast food and, and drinking and like doing a bunch of things are going to compromise this opportunity that's in front of mm-hmm. them. So, there are times to make hay, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, can you talk about your thought process? Because not everyone has this uh, this willpower that you do. I feel like there's a lot of ideas that die that because people are discouraged of, oh, hey, here's a cool idea for a product. How do I make it happen? I don't know. So let me just give up. And and that's probably a good good thing that there is like that barrier there to a certain extent to, so that like, you know, people aren't quitting their day jobs for like a, a wild idea, but how did you just like, how do you, how, do you do, how do you create a product and not get discouraged when you first think it up?
1: I, I would guess, you know, I've, I've done this a couple times and I, I think every situation is different. When I think back to Uncharted, when I got to that real kind of inflection point, for me it was, I don't see why I wouldn't do this, you know? Mm. Am I gonna like, am I gonna sit on my investment and just protect it at, you know, at 35 years old? Am I done? Is this yeah. like, I'm gonna be safe? Or am I gonna like try to really build something that I think could be really huge and save lives and, and change the game? And there's always going to be uncertainty, always. But like with this kit, I mean, as, as an example with Uncharted, there was nobody doing it the way that I thought they should do it. And when I did a lot of focus groups and talked to friends, everybody agreed too that the right product didn't exist, but if it did, they would buy it. And I had the right team to do it and I had the right experience. And I, I knew enough about digital marketing and, and whatever else that it, it kind of was like, there's no reason I wouldn't do this. I mean, it's risky, anything's risky. But I, it's, it's kind of like letting go of the vine you're swinging on before you know where the next one is and yeah. just hoping it's there. But, you're playing the odds. You know it's coming. Um, I've had other ideas, you know, about, boy, 15 years ago, 17 years ago, I was convinced that electric bikes were the future, electric bicycles.
0: Not and, wrong.
1: I mean, I wasn't wrong. But what I found out is I went down that path for a month or two. And I did a lot of research. And what I found out was I was not alone in that theory and Trek and Specialized. <laughs> Ford and all these people were building electric bikes and I looked at my bank account and I was like, I'm not going to be able to compete, you know? So even though that was a great idea um, and I think I was on the right path, I, I mean, who knows, but that made me shy away from that and look for something else.
0: But when you, when you create a product like the Zeus or the rapid raft or how to fit all those products in the 72 pack, I imagine, and I think this is what set you apart, that there's like a good amount of research and then you, you're you not afraid to ask questions and like, just like to your point of we we make things happen and we get through things by incorporating other people. Like you, you ask someone who might know something uh, about how to make that happen. And if they don't know, then they'll put you in touch with, I just think you do a really good job at like having uh, the courage to, Put yourself out there and ask questions and do the research so hats off to you for that
1: thank you i i will say like you know i'm like the 15 time hustle award recipient like i was, <laughs> all, I was, like, I was a kid, though. i didn't give up you know so uh i i think some of that's even in my dna from a young age just like trying to prove people wrong and trying to stick with it and trying to work harder and i think all those little intangibles you know a lot of times people go what's this what's the secret and the secret is it's really there's not a secret. It's just it's just doing everything as good as you can. I think Mark Cuban always says, you know, work every day like somebody's chasing you or somebody's somebody's. I don't know what that quote is. There's something out there like that. I remember reading it.
0: <laughs> well delivered, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry, I know some quotes, not others, but sorry, Mark Cuban. Uh, but I think that's a really good instinct. Is is when you wake up in the mornings, you gotta be like what am I doing to to continue to push this down the road? I I can't just, like we built the 72, right? I think we'd be dead right now if that was the only product we ever made, right? So we introduced a whole line of stuff. And now when somebody buys this product and they have such a good experience, now they're like, what else you got? I'm gonna buy that first aid kit. I'm gonna buy the Zeus. And that's how you build a company. So it does take guts. It does take kind of trusting your instinct. I think for me, there's been a lot of times where my team or my advisors were like, no, nah, I don't see it. And I'm like, I think we have to do this. Something's telling me we have to do this. It's like the raft is a great example. That was a product that was half designed by a design firm that I'm friends with. And it had been sitting on the shelves forever. And we got talking and this thing came up and I was like, wait, I can sell this, you know? And we have another product coming out um, later this year that Is going to it's a game changer. And it was another thing that a a friend of mine was kind of tinkering with, and I was like, whoa, if we do this and we do this, and now it's evolving into like something that I think is is going to be really, really significant. So I, I don't know, man. I think I think you gotta have some instincts, you have to trust your gut, and you have to go for it sometimes. And I was joking with a buddy today, it's like sometimes business is just staying alive every day. You know, every day is a struggle. It's like, how do we get through? To tonight, how do we get through to next week? How do we get through the next quarter? And eventually like things sort themselves out, but it's it's not easy
0: at all. Yeah. Can you tell the first success story of, of someone who's used your product and when they were in a pinch uh, that comes to your mind?
1: You know, the interesting thing about our products is that um, the big story doesn't happen because <laughs> the products stop it before it does. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah you get a lot of like oh man I was like this happened and then I had this thing and like I was back on the road and you know the one example I could give you is like the Zeus the battery jump starter that's an easy one because dead batteries happen like crazy so I just get tons and tons of stories where it's like oh man you totally saved my butt I was you know I was hiking in Grand Teton for three days I came out I must have left my dome light on it was cold there's nobody around it was at the trail ahead and I had the Zeus and I started up and went home, you know, you didn't have to survive overnight or freeze or call in help. So none of our stories are that dramatic because the drama doesn't happen because the product survived. but we have, you know, dozens of those. You can read the reviews on our website. There's a lot there.
0: Yeah. Uh, one product that I'm sure is flying off the shelves is your N99 face mask. Um, yeah. which I know you're getting a new shipment in, but, uh, I I did want to revisit that subject real quick because um it's interesting how like the whole situation is like a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain extent where hey pay, toilet paper is running out so maybe I should load up on it and even if there's no reason to people hear that there's going to be a scarcity so they go buy they go buy a ton of toilet paper and then they create a scarcity um sure. but it sounds like well that's the same situation with the face mask and um I w- I would love for you to kind of tell us about what, what your face mask is about and uh how people can grab one, hold on one yeah, second. It. I think it looks sweet too is the other is the other component of this. It looks like one of those uh training masks that you
1: can't yeah, exactly this shape so this is mine that I've been keeping in my truck forever that's why it's all crinkled yeah uh, but so I think when this coronavirus thing came out what we heard was face masks don't work right that was like don't worry about face masks Let the hospital use those you don't need them what they're referring to is you guys have seen like the surgical masks that are square they have like the earpiece right yeah, yeah. so The thing with this virus that's out there right now is um, it hangs in the air. So if you breathe in, it could easily come in through the sides or wherever there's an opening. So those masks are designed for like surgeons. So if they're like working on somebody, they don't have like a booger fall into somebody's (laughs) (laughs) Uh... (laughs) That's literally what they're designed for. And they're designed so if you're talking, you're not spitting, you're not infecting something like that. But it's not a filter. That's why air masks don't work. But what we sell, <clears throat> this is an N99 mask, and what that means is down to 0.01 microns, it'll filter this. So N95 is 0.05 microns. So N99 is actually more of a filtration than N95. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the the actual carbon filter. This is a spare. Each each one we sell comes with an extra one so these last 40 to 60 hours you know 40 being you're in really smoky or dusty or something and it gets filled up um, <clears throat> but the idea here is what's really important is making sure everything you breathe is being filtered through this media so now I'm coughing <coughs> it's just dry up here I don't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know I well, that would be exciting uh, myself me and my dog um, you wanna make sure everything you're breathing is filtering through this because that's gonna provide protection. You're seeing these holes here probably and going, what the heck? So you put this mask on and what you have is, as you can see, it's like, it's a complete seal. I know you can't hear me very well, but it's a tight seal all the way around. These valves are one-way valves. So when you breathe out, they open up, allowing the air to escape. When you breathe in, they shut. Which makes the air go everywhere else but there and filter through that mask. So if you're if you took this out of the package, put it on correctly, had a perfect seal, and you walk through a hospital with a hundred you know, people with this disease, hypothetically you shouldn't get any in your lungs wearing this. I mean that's wow. that's the design. Now I've got facial hair, that can compromise the seal. Let's say you opened it once you were inside and there's also, you know, it's floating around, you could have contaminated it. There's a lot of things that if not done perfectly could affect it. But, you know, my grandpa is is on chemo right now. He's got respiratory issues and he's almost 90. And I, he has a 72 and I said, Grandpa, go get this thing out. And when you go outside around people, I want you to put that thing on before you get out of the car. When you take it off, I want you to take it off in a way that you don't touch the mask. I want you to put it back in the bag and seal it up, you know, every time. And listen, even if it's not perfect, that's giving him a surmountable amount of coverage you wouldn't have otherwise. And that makes me feel a lot better. So these are actually, these are effective. These really are. Um, The other air masks are not. And I think that's where the confusion is. And a lot of times you'll see like those painter's masks that kind of are contoured Mm -hmm. and they say, but unless that's a perfect seal, it's it's not great, so that's kind of why they're
0: advising people the way they are. Sounds well designed. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're uh, hypothetically on national TV speaking to everybody about uh, this fa- phase that we're in right now as humanity. What do you say to them? Well,
1: I mean, let's be clear. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. It's all new to me too. But I have I've done my research. And I'll tell you what I tell my family, how's that? Because they are, you know, they're the people that are most important to me. Uh, I'm telling them to not take this lightly. I'm telling them not to be afraid. But as an example I just gave, like we need to watch grandma and grandpa. And for the next week, maybe you deliver groceries and set it outside the door and let them take it in. Because this is having really like harsh effects. On the elderly people with respiratory issues. as I've heard it described, <clears throat> out of a hundred people, eighty will have just sniffle, body aches, goes away. Twenty percent, fifteen to twenty percent will need medical care. And then of those, you know, five percent are potentially deadly. And I think they're seeing the mortality rates two point five. So what makes this virus kind of unique and the reason we are all being told to like go in our homes and stay there? is because it's asymptomatic and contagious. Meaning
0: mm-hmm.
1: you feel 100% fine and you are hyper contagious and five days later, you suddenly go, oh, I don't feel good. And they say, oh, you have COVID-19. Who have you talked to in the last five days? <laughs> and that's like, that's a pretty, pretty hard, can of worms to get back in the can, right? right? So in Park City as an example, they just announced that one of the first cases was a doorman at the, one of the popular bars on Main Street, and he's been working there every day for like the last five or six days. He hadn't traveled anywhere, he hadn't done anything that would put him at a higher risk. He must have come in contact with somebody that came in the door, and then think how many people come through a bar, right? So now you've got all these people who are potentially um, contaminated because it's just highly contagious. So this is how this thing spreads. And for almost everybody, not a big deal, but I I talked to a friend of mine the other day and I said, listen, the thing about this is I I don't, I'm not fearful about this because I might get a little cold, no big deal. This is the time for people like us who are young and healthy to think about the elderly and think about the people that are compromised and how our actions could really have severe consequences for them. So out of respect for them and respect for the community, I think people need to be careful and listen to what the authorities are saying. And it may seem like a gross over-exaggeration. I get it. It's like, sun's out today. Like I feel good. Town's shut down. Like I'm going to go hang out with my friends. You know, it's not the right call. People aren't shutting down businesses and losing money because it's, it's like Christmas. I mean, this is like, so like different than anything we've faced. They're doing their best to like, Contain this and slow it down. I'm sure you've heard the flattening of the curve. You know, they're saying like it's kind of hard to stop. The only thing we can do is slow it down, so the hospitals, have, hospitals have a fighting chance. So instead of getting a thousand cases on Thursday, maybe they'll have 300, and they can get to everybody. Yeah. But if that starts escalating, now you have people of that five percent that really need it that just aren't going to get the attention, and that's where it gets really ugly. So. Yeah. My advice is listen to the authorities. I know it sounds crazy, but when you break it down, it's pretty logical. And it's just a time to like be really vigilant, wash your hands, take a shower. You know, I I talked to my, to to Dr. Eric Meyer, who's, you know, saved lives on K2. He's climbed Everest, he's a pilot. He's on the Uncharted team. And he's like, my advice to people is eat really healthy, get a ton of sleep, keep your stress down, do all those things that are immunity boosting anyways, And that'll help you handle it better when or if you come in contact. Yeah. But at the same time, like, just, just listen, because man, I would feel really terrible if a bunch of people that were compromised are now, now fatally infected because I'm fine, whatever, I'm going to go to the restaurant. You know, it's not cool.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I know you've probably talked about this a lot in the past week, but uh, let's close out. I'm curious to hear what your goals are at this point in your life, Christian
1: well um i'm 39 uh honestly like i'd love to have a family someday i feel like business has been my life for a long time um so i think i think one goal really is is getting that going um and i think that comes with getting through this phase of starting and building uncharted i mean this has been a labor of love and a ton of work and i know we said earlier we were making money i almost want to stop you there like I've put way more money in than I've ever taken out and never worked harder in my life. That's entrepreneurship. I'm not complaining. It's just to get to a place where we can breathe a little bit, I think would be really, really amazing. My goal for Uncharted has always been to make a difference in the world that comes with scale. An opportunity like this to tell people about what we're doing and maybe spread our message is, is really valuable. So thank you. I mean, I, I think what we are doing is needed uh, in this country and in this planet. And um, I think it's a message that makes a lot of sense. And my hope is that we can save hundreds of thousands of lives with this idea at some point. You know, I think that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. So right now that's, and I'd love to go heli skiing and go to Zermatt. So that was gonna happen this week and uh, maybe yeah. I'll try to do that next week. But uh, we'll leave it at that for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you've done so much. And again, one of the more interesting people I've ever met. I'm curious, through your experience, what are three lessons of, of maybe a piece of advice that, that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Um, yeah, so on my Instagram, you know, a little bio or whatever I have, life is not a dress rehearsal. That's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, Every day that goes by is a day you don't get back. And if you can't stand what you're doing, but it feels a little scary to change. I say go for it. Um, I've heard too many stories of people who, looking back when the opportunity wasn't there anymore, wish they would have, you know. Mm-hmm. I think if you follow your passion and you really do what you feel compelled to do, you're always going to find success. I mean, you, gotta, you gotta go with your heart. So for me, that's like, that's number one. Um, you know, earlier you're asking me about entrepreneurship. Uh, I would tell people, trust your gut. If you, if you take somebody else's advice and go against your gut and it doesn't turn out right, you are be like, man, I knew it, you know? That's a hard one, That's a hard one to yeah. trust right? in your head. But I think if you follow your gut and you really feel convicted, whether it's a relationship or what you're doing in life or business, I think, I think there's always a lot of peace of mind that comes with that. And I think a lot of times you just kind of have an inherent know you know you just know like i really feel this i'm gonna go after it and I, I do think that's really important i mean like if i was like oh i really want to be in the nfl I'm 39 like you got to be logical you can't just you can't just wish for something that is probable but if you're if you're being logical about this and you can't give it up i think you should go for it yeah um gosh i don't know what the third one would be i think uh you know, I just, I just always try to, as I've gotten older, I think I've really tried to listen more than I speak. And I think that's been really valuable. I don't know if it's getting a little petty or emotional, but I think in my twenties, I was probably more of a bull in a China shop and thought I knew everything. And, you know, two years, one mouth. I just think there's a lot of really smart people out there and, um, and getting those perspectives and listening and and understanding always helps you navigate a situation or helps you with a relationship or whatever else. So I don't know, I just kind of pulled that one out, but it's something I think about a lot. It's just like, instead of me wanting to tell my side, which I know we just done for 45 minutes, I want to hear about somebody else and hear something else because that actually, that gives you more knowledge and knowledge is power and that's helping you and it's making somebody else feel special. And I think that's a, a cool mantra to have too.
0: Well, I appreciate you. uh, I I appreciate you sharing your side of the story. Um, I love how it's your core mission to help other people. And maybe if you're listening, we could help Christian in a couple of ways. Uh, One, if you're a single lady, you can go check out uh, Christian's Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes down below. And then also uh, Christian talked really well about some of the products that again, Sean and I have at our house and I would definitely recommend checking it out, that's going to be in the show notes. And you can also check it out at un- uncharted supply code.com. But Christian, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure.
1: Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, you guys to get back out here soon. and We'll get on the sleds again,
0: right? Look forward to it.
1: Sounds good, man.